This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 7th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, wildfires leave San Miguel County hazy. Hospital faces financial shortfalls. One-to-one mentoring celebrates top culinary talent. And a mountain weather forecast. Residents and visitors in San Miguel County may have smelled smoke or seen some haze in the air on Monday. But according to San Miguel County officials, the smoke is coming from fires further south. Smoke's coming from northern New Mexico and southwest Colorado. There are a couple of new wildfire starts. That's Susan Lilly, public information officer for the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office. There are currently four fires burning along the Colorado and New Mexico border ranging from nearly 300 acres up to nearly 1,400 acres. San Miguel County is under a red flag warning until 9 p.m. on Monday, with the possibility of extending. This means that there's critical fire danger from warm temperatures, really low humidities, dry fuels, and stronger winds. So that combines to produce that increased risk of fire danger. Lily notes individuals spending time outside need to practice some situational awareness. We recommend that people keep their campfires in a fire ring, don't leave fires unattended, and drown all fires until they're cool. Don't park on any dry brush and be especially careful uh, with cigarettes. Don't throw them out the window. Um, things like that, you know, some common sense things. Um, but we need people to have some situational awareness. While the red flag warning is set to expire on Monday night, Lily adds that doesn't mean individuals should change their behavior. The National Weather Service is the one who issues these red flag warnings and red flag watches. Uh, So, you know, but in general, those guidelines don't just disappear when there's not a red flag warning. We don't want people to bark on dry brush. We don't want people to throw their cigarettes out the window and we don't want people to leave their fires unattended. And they do need to, you know, drown those out until they're cool. So none of those precautions really go away. Um, But the red flag warnings may come and go this season. The caution comes as the western slope joins large swaths of the west experiencing fire season. Earlier this summer, the Thunder Fire burned roughly 10 acres outside Norwood. Currently, low-line fire north of Gunnison is burning close to 2,000 acres. In Garfield County, the Spring Creek Fire is burning over 3,000 acres, and the Little Mesa Fire is burning 75 acres southwest of Delta. If you're headed to the Telluride Medical Center, you might think you're going to the hospital. But that's actually not the case. We are technically, according to the state of Colorado, a CCEC. So a community center emergency care is the the designation. And we might be the only one still in Colorado. We are the only one left. That's Dr. Deanna Colliker, an emergency room physician at the medical center and the current interim CEO, and Paul Reich, chair of the hospital district board. While it may seem novel to be the only CCEC left in the state, the designation comes with significant financial limitations. At the medical center, says Colliker. We have the complicating factor that we are not a hospital and we cannot bill as a hospital. And so our current facility and the designation that it is um, really limits us. 
medical facilities with a full hospital designation have a greater number of funding options and a higher priority in the eyes of the government. This designation as a community emergency center is one of the many factors contributing to the med center's woeful financial picture. The center currently operates at a $1.5 million loss annually. Dr. Colliker says recent years have intensified long-term issues. Healthcare has changed. The delivery of healthcare um, and the the economics of that have have changed over the past several years, and costs of everything from medications to equipment to staffing, all of these things were inflated over due to COVID and due to just inflation. And what we have seen is um, costs have risen and reimbursements have um, decreased. Reimbursement payment for medical services comes from both government programs such as Medicare and from private insurers. In both cases, the rate at which medical facilities are paid for their services has not kept up with costs, and the gap is widening. Reich notes taking in the insurance and healthcare industry as a whole can be sobering. You know, I will just say as an outset, and I'll probably make someone mad in this universe for saying this, but as United Health books a profit in the last quarter of six billion dollars, and United Health is is the insurance company that provides insurance for many of us in our community, they are paying us less and less. United Healthcare, Reich adds, is not the only insurer collecting large profits seemingly at the expense of medical centers and patients. Nor is there one single problem at the heart of the issue. But the picture can feel dire. Here's Colliker. It, it's a wonder that any medical center is still um, on its feet and viable. And right now we are faced with this mismatch of being committed to providing these services, yet not being fully reimbursed for it. And how are we going to make up um, you know, for that mismatch? Addressing the mismatch could require a number of steps. The Med Center hopes to build a new facility in the area over the next five to ten years, which could provide it with a full hospital designation. Additionally, the district board is considering asking voters for a mill levy increase, as it did back in 2018. Reich adds, I would say that these are not problems that started overnight. And I think when you look at the history of how the medical center was funded, and this goes back prior to COVID, um, we relied heavily on donations from individuals in the community to keep the doors open. The generosity, support, and dedication of the community has kept the med center going through hard times in the past. And despite the financial troubles, this week it's time to celebrate that community. Tuesday, August 8th, from 5 to 8 p.m., the Med Center will throw out the Band-Aids and barbecue cookout at the Elks Lodge. The event features music, food, and festivities. It's free and open to the public. To learn more about the Medical Center and how to get involved, go to telmed.org sustainability. Telluride is bursting with culinary talent. But while chefs are used to the heat and fast pace of a kitchen, can they hold up under the pressure of being named Top Chef? That's what the Top Chef and Taste of Telluride competition is looking to find out. We do a live Top Chef competition with a secret basket that's built by a local chef. And we have the first round is two new chefs, and they have 40 minutes to compete, and they have to use everything in the secret basket. We have four judges that judge it. 
Um, and after 40 minutes, they have to present it to the judges. That's Tara Kelly, executive director of the One-to-One Mentoring Program. One-to-One Mentoring is a nonprofit organization that's been in our community for 25 years now. Um, And we match uh, a caring adult with youth in our community on a one-to-one mentoring basis. Top Chef and Taste of Telluride is one-to-one's largest fundraiser of the year. After the first round, one chef is chosen to compete in round two against the winner from last year's competition, Jeff Donaldson from Backcountry Catering. The judges are looking for uniqueness and how you used that secret basket in a unique way. And they're also looking for it to taste great. If one of the new chefs can unseat Donaldson, they will be named Telluride 2023 Top Chef. Or Donaldson will hold on to the title for a third year. But Top Chef is just one part of the event. There's also the Taste of Telluride. Where we have multiple restaurants that do 350 bites and to demonstrate what their restaurant is. And we have wine tasting. We have some specialty cocktails. Um, and that that event's great. And we're up at the peak. So we have the whole second level of the peaks competition room, the crystal room, the huge porch. There's also a silent auction featuring items from countless local restaurants, getaways, and clothes. While the fundraiser is full of treats for the taste buds, Kelly notes the real delicacy is supporting a good cause. You know, we're a town that everybody works a lot, but we're also a town that has so much to give back. And... You know, I've always heard one of our my great sayings came from one of my uh, from a mentor that if you have time for friends, you have time to be a mentor. And I that really makes people think about it, you know, because these kids need it. And especially since COVID, um, nobody's really come back the same. And they've they're still learning on how to socialize again and how to be back in the community. And um, so mentoring is very important and it changes changes the kid's world. The Top Chef and Taste of Telluride will take place at the Peaks in Mountain Village on Thursday, August 10th at 5.30 p.m. Tickets are available at one-to-one-telluride.org. Take a walk out towards the mine in Telluride and you might see the pale yellow and orange flower of yellow toad flax. While the plant might be pleasing to the eye, it's actually a destructive weed in the region and San Miguel County's noxious weed of the month. Also known as butter and eggs, yellow toad flax is a prevalent plant on the east end of San Miguel County, often seen on the Idorado Legacy Trail and around Ophir. The weed reproduces by seed and creeping roots, which can extend 10 feet wide and 3 feet deep. The plant An escaped garden plant has yellow flowers with a bearded orange throat and clustered stems. It can be found on rageland, pastures, meadows, and forests. According to county officials, it can wreak havoc. Yellow toad flax displaces natural vegetation and can produce up to 30,000 seeds per plant per year. Livestock won't touch it, and the presence of yellow toad flax reduces rangeland value and available forage for wildlife and livestock. San Miguel County Vegetation Control and Management urges all county residents to manage and eliminate any yellow toad flax, adding noxious weed management and control is a community effort. 
Colorado Parks and Wildlife officers are searching for a black bear that bit a man on Sunday night at a campground east of Interstate 25 in Trinidad. The man said he was relaxing in a hammock when the bear came next to him and bit his arm before wandering off. The man was later taken to a hospital and treated for the injury. Following the attack, dogs were called in to help locate the bear. It has not been found yet. Under CPW policy, any bear that attacks a human is classified as dangerous and must be euthanized if captured. CPW urges the public to stay alert to potential bear activity. Campers should take measures like using bear-proof trash containers, storing food securely, maintaining a clean tent, and locking vehicles. Hundreds of new state laws that were passed earlier this year went into effect on Monday. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports they deal with some high-profile, politically charged issues. Most of the new laws are procedural and won't directly affect everyday folks. Some, though, address issues that are top of mind for Coloradans. One of them changes the minimum legal age for purchasing a gun to 21. Gun rights groups are fighting that measure in court. Other laws provide new protections for renters and workers. They cap security deposits at the equivalent of two months' rent and block landlords from asking for a tenant's credit history in most situations. For workers, the laws expand paid sick leave to cover bereavement and severe weather. They also prohibit employers from asking job applicants for their age. There's a new traffic rule in place, too. Colorado drivers are now required by law to move over and slow down for vehicles on the side of the road with hazard lights on. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. There was major news in the ski industry last week, the impending sale of Teton County's Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. After more than three decades of ownership, the Kimmerer family announced plans to pass on one of the country's premier skiing destinations to two local investors who sit on the resort's board. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KHOL's Tyler Pratt has more. Rumors of a sale have swirled for years, with many in the community speculating the independent resort would eventually be scooped by giants of the ski industry, who have been consolidating slopes for years, like Vail, Altera, and Aspen Skiing Company. In a release sent out Thursday, Jay Kimmerer said it was of utmost importance that the next ownership maintains the integrity and character of the mountain. The family has invested more than $300 million in the property since buying it in the early 90s. This includes constructing the iconic aerial tram, helping create the Teton Village master plan, and fostering greater air travel service to the region. Kimmerer said he and his two siblings intend to sell to full-time locals Eric Macy and Mike Corbett, their families, and a small group of co-investors, and he intends to stay on the board. Corbett is a former Citigroup CEO and Macy an international financier. Both say they do not anticipate any changes to current business operations, but JHMR ticket prices have steadily increased as the region becomes exceedingly more expensive, raising questions about future affordability of the resort. Reps weren't able to take additional questions in time for broadcast. Tyler Pratt, KHOL News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low near 45 degrees. Tuesday calls for sunny skies and a high near 80, with a chance of showers developing in the afternoon and wind gusts reaching 30 miles per hour. Strong wind and isolated showers are likely to continue Tuesday night, with otherwise clear skies and a low near 40 degrees. Wednesday calls for sun, with a high near 80. Wednesday night, expect partly cloudy skies 
a low near 40, and a 20% chance of thunderstorms. This has been the news for Monday, August 7th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. On the angry waves, I am a dancer. And my Once again, it's Teddy Errico, producer of the Sunset Music Series. Join us again on Wednesday night as another spectacular sunset lights up the Wilsons and music fills the air of the Sunset Plaza in Mountain Village. The Sunset Music Series and its 23rd season is one of the region's great summer traditions. This week, it's a special treat as you get two bands for the price of one. Our double bill features two great country music performers. Starting at 6 p.m., come see Tyler and the Train Robbers. Hailing from Boise, Idaho, they bring a roots country sound to the Mountain Village. Up next and all the way from Texas, we are proud to have the Wilder Blue. This five-piece, formerly known as Hill Country, mixes up country and rock and roll and is not to be missed. Some of their biggest fans include Luke Combs, and they're going to be great. Attendance is free of charge. Dine-in and to-go meals are available for purchase from many Mountain Village restaurants. Alcoholic beverages purchased from Mountain Village restaurants can also be enjoyed in the common consumption area. The show begins at 6 p.m. on the lawn near Lift One in the Sunset Plaza of Mountain Village, and it's held rain or shine. Presented by TMVOA and supporting sponsors. Check the full lineup at sunsetmusicseries.com and connect with the Sunset Music Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Still out desperate is your need On the angry waves I am a dancer Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.